This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America in Houston, Texas. Please join us on Sundays at 8.15 and 10.30 a.m. for Holy Communion and visit us on the web at holytrinityrec.org. Please enjoy the sermon. Continuing with our series on Proverbs chapter 6 and the seven abominations described by the Lord, verse 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Continue this week with the fifth abomination the Lord describes in verse 17 of feet that make haste to run to evil. It's appropriate that we speak of this concept in the opening of another penitential season in the church calendar with the season of Advent, a season where we prepare for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the second advent or second coming of Jesus Christ in this season is, is also our focus as well as the coming birth of Jesus Christ that we remember so long ago. This preparation aids us in resisting the temptations we face on a daily level to make haste to run to evil. We need preparation. We need time to carefully consider what God has given us in his word and how we are to live by his Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed in the news when an evil act or even an accident occurs in a very public place that many will rush towards the accident or the event if they can and watch and observe, but very few make their way to help? The self-absorbed might seek ways to film the event. You'll actually see these events unfolding and many people holding cameras and taking video to publish on their social media sites to boost their status with their friends instead of going to help. Another person seeing such an event unfolding may have spent a considerable amount of time in their lives to prepare for such moments, to prepare to be a person that helps, whether taking CPR classes or so forth. They make their way to such events with care, with caution, seeking ways to help, to diffuse, never wanting the attention of others. This morning, let us meditate upon the dangers of rushing or making haste to evil, along with the only remedy that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First, it's important to identify the inherent issues with when we make haste to run to evil. What is going on there in our lives? The root of this is, of course, what we looked at last week with the fourth uh, abomination of the wicked heart, the heart of heart. The hard heart and self-deifying, if you will, seeks to promote self through running towards evil to embrace it. The running towards evil to embrace it lifestyle never ends well. As we read in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 7, their feet run to evil, and they are swift to shed innocent blood. 
Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. Shedding innocent blood is not always physical murder. As Holy Scripture points out, as Jesus points out in the gospel, sinful anger is lashed out against others is the same as murder, for it destroys the person from within. This is the result of running towards evil, to make self the most important thing while seeking others to worship us. This pathway resembles a desolate, destroyed highway, a very dangerous place to be indeed. This is the path of haste. It's the path of danger, as Proverbs 19, verse 2 states, Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. Making haste to sin is to care less how our actions and how our words might hurt and dehumanize others. As an American songwriter, Tom Petty, wrote, exemplifying our American culture in terms of how we look at sin, he wrote this, it is the wrong thing to do, but I don't care. This flies in the face of what Jesus tells us in Matthew 7:13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. The way to life eternal is worshiping and serving Jesus Christ as Lord of all of life. This narrow gate irks all of our self-deification and self-salvation projects that want to make me the center. The wide way or gate in a spiritual is a spiritual shortcut. It's a spiritual shortcut that seeks every way possible to avoid Jesus Christ and his birth as our servant king, his life as our servant king, his death for us as our servant king, his resurrection and his ascension as our triumphant king. The way of Christ the king does not fit into our models of self-pleasing and instant gratification. The way of Christ directs us away from making haste to run towards evil. The way of Christ is the direct opposite of the shortcut. As Tolkien wrote, shortcuts make long delays. I cannot tell you how many people I've known over the years that grieved over the years or even decades they cited as wasted time in seeking self-gratification through denying the simple fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and King. Shortcuts indeed make long delays and only lead to error, to heartache, and desolate lives. Spiritual shortcuts are excuses to live in sin against God and against one another. All sin has the foundation at the heart of rebellion. As 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 23 states, For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. This, of course, is in the context of King Saul refusing to obey God in the conquest of an enemy city. Saul conquered this city in his own way. Even though he obeyed in terms of conquering the city, he disobeyed in the way he went about it. As Samuel stated to him, rebellion is as divination. It is to seek shortcuts for self-advancement. Saul did this through keeping parts of what he conquered as opposed to what the Lord told him to do to destroy everything. There are two routes, if you really think about it, of rebellion. 
of making haste towards evil. Both of these are especially tempting in our culture that thinks the long, narrow, and patient road of Jesus Christ as king is much too boring, much, more, much too constraining upon our lives. The first, if you think about it, is the pagan route that rebels and uses divination to seek one's own path. Divinization in Holy Scripture is essentially using methods such as witchcraft, mediums, and other gateways to gain access to the spiritual world. God rejected these approaches as evidenced by King Saul later seeking to reach the dead prophet Samuel through the medium or the witch of Endor. He disobeyed a long-standing prohibition of these practices, going back to Deuteronomy. God with ancient Israel made the only prohibition that we read about in the ancient world against these pagan shortcuts of using witches or divination. Even in the early years of King Saul's reign, we read that he indeed obeyed God. He weeded out the mediums, the witches, and so forth. But at the end of his reign, after he had chosen the route of rebellion against God, and God had cut him off, the natural step for Saul was to try to still get to spiritual things through forbidden means. And we see him going to the witch of Endor. This is why, in many ways, paganism is making a comeback in our own Western culture. Many in our instant gratification culture have chosen the pagan route of spiritual shortcuts, as Saul did so long ago. The end of this is placing self above others to please self. It is to make oneself God and supreme over God, and others. It is the hasty way. When we hurt others in these selfish pursuits, the, the excuse is that the people that we supposedly hurt were trying to hold us back. All of these are just pagan notions that we are dredging up in our own culture, that we are bringing back. We already have the beginnings of these pagan notions of life and the way we treat life, whether it's abortion or in many parts of, of, the West, of the West where euthanasia is coming into vogue. The further we move in rebellion against God towards hasty solutions, the more we will despise the lives and needs of others so that we can get the most out of our lives from a pagan perspective. The second manner we take spiritual shortcuts is the self-righteous approach. The self-righteous look to the same things, if you think about it, that the pagan does in terms of staying comfortable while promoting self over others. We have to be careful to shed the common tendency of our fallen nature to promote our own way to salvation through thinking we can earn it. This is the path of taking credit for our salvation through our works. This can only be seen as an accomplishment by putting those we deem to be worse off than we are as sinners down in a place that we feel good about ourselves. Often the self-righteous approach is to take the emotive approach, to find faults on others while we justify our own sins that make us feel good, that we have justified to indulge in. In such, the opinions based on emotions and feelings take center stage. We find ways to justify them. The pagan tosses out biblical morality in mass. So too do the self-righteous in select areas. 
The parable of the publican and the Pharisee is a case in point. The Pharisee indulged his prayers with self-acclamations in comparison to the dirty scoundrel praying near him. The publican only dealt with his sin. He couldn't even look up to God. He only looked downward. The self-righteous are all about keeping up their appearances, looking good to those around them, making sure they're heard by others. Both the pagan and the self-righteous hypocrite look to haste as supreme to meet their mutual goals of self-advancement. What are we to do? Due to our propensity to sin and evil, we all have the tendency to run in haste toward evil. Our only recourse is Jesus Christ, as we read earlier, as our narrow gate. The only way we have of redemption from our selfish tendencies of rushing towards evil. This lifestyle of Christ as king in our lives finds manifestation in the epistle today from Romans chapter 13, verse 13. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. And further in Ephesians 5, 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. The way of walking is to walk carefully in and through Jesus Christ by his word that lights our paths. In such, the life in Jesus Christ is faithful, gradual, by a steady submission to God's word. This is careful by placing self last and placing God and others first. This is the true path of love. The way of the cross is the way Jesus traveled in his ministry that we are to emulate, that we are to look to. Not to speed towards evil to participate in evil, but rather to carefully walk to confront evil with the gospel. The challenge to the, to the wicked, to the evil, to repent, to turn to Jesus Christ instead of to self and sin. It is to have the following mindset and heart set from our lesson today in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 12. For you shall not go out in haste. And you shall not go in flight. For the Lord will go before you. And the God of Israel will be your rear guard. When we walk with care, we go in the word of God under Jesus Christ as our king that protects us from all sides. This confrontation of evil finds expression earlier in this chapter in Isaiah. How beautiful are the mountains. Upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The way of the pagan and the way of the self-righteous is the way of saying, I reign, while rejecting Christ as king. When we accept Christ as king and Lord of our lives, we have only to love others through obedience and walking forth to spread this good news in Jesus Christ, in God's timing, in his patience. When we do not like something in God's word, we are tempted by our culture to take the shortcut until we find what we like. This is why it is so prevalent even within the church and outside the church to justify sin. The easy way of haste is to give in to our temptations, to capitulate at the first challenge we hear to the faith or to sin against others through temptation. Fighting temptation is not easy. It requires walking. It requires not being in haste. It is difficult. It is hard. It requires not rushing into things, but walking into them in the word of God. 
If you think about it, Jesus did not rush into the wilderness to face the temptations of the devil right away. No, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness alone before facing the temptations of the devil. Often we think we can take shortcuts to deal with the temptations we face by heading right into it rather than taking the lives that God has given us to prepare on a daily level, to prepare as needed. When we make haste, even in a mindset to confront evil, we go into it ill-equipped. We go into it on our own power and strength. And this opens us up for a fall. C.S. Lewis wrote the following that I think is appropriate in the slow, patient route of walking by faith, especially when we face temptations. He said, a silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. A man who gives into temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. That is why bad people in one sense know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. Resistance to temptation requires the patience given through the Holy Spirit. It is the long road of walking in Christ and his sanctification. It requires, if you will, a daily allegiance to Jesus Christ as Lord and King of our lives. Through resisting temptation, we learn to confront evil with the gospel, with the power of Jesus Christ. This long way of patience is foreign to our sinful propensities. In Ephesians 4, verse 2, we read, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. God first loved us. His love is patient. It is kind. It bears with us. In his love are we enabled to love and to be patient with each other as we face the temptations of this life. Our triumph over the temptations is not by our power. It is not by our strength, but in the power of of our risen Lord. We live by God's grace leading us to faith slowly, steadily. His food provides lasting growth in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ. His food through his church is not the sort that pagans and the self-righteous promote. This is a sort this is a sort full of appeals to the emotions, to counterfeit spirituality, to shortcuts. Confronting evil requires a steady diet of God's word and sacrament and the safety of the ark of his church. We must reject the haste of paganism and self-righteousness that gives out exciting food that only serves to poison us. No, our food is the sort that takes preparation. It takes hard work. The hard work of the gospel of Jesus Christ, our perfect sacrifice to save us 100%. When we say I have to do a little bit more than Jesus already did to secure my salvation, we seek self and not Christ. We make self Lord and not Christ. Yes, the way of Christ and his cross is not flashy. His way provides the only means of grace that works to build us up to walk in his word by the light of his gospel. May we resist evil through confronting it with the tried and true way of Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. 
May we resist the ways of this world and our own culture to make haste in all things, to thus make train wrecks of our lives. May we walk as we have been called, properly, as in the daytime, in Christ alone. Amen.